Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you for another opportunity to to worship you, to meet together, to uh, remember what it is that, that you have done for us. And at this time of year, we're we're remembering how it all started, in a sense, and, uh, and we're thankful for that. And thankful for the opportunity that it gives us every year to proclaim the good news. Why it is that you did what you did. So open our hearts as we as we hear from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, we always tend to, this this week I have uh, diverged from our, our study that we have been doing because uh, next time we get back into it will be in John chapter 17 and that is the chapter where Jesus prays for us and uh, that is is such a a deep and beautiful thing that I wanted to try and not break it up I knew if I started on it today we wouldn't be able to come back to it for at least two weeks so uh, what you're going to hear today is stuff you already know but I hope that by putting it topmost in our minds, by, by putting a fresh coat of paint on it, if you will, we'll be able to recall it. And uh, if we have opportunity to speak to those who do not yet know the good news, do not yet understand its significance, that we will be ready, right, like Peter said, uh, to give an account for the hope that is in us. Amen? Amen. So, praise God. Yeah, we're, we're at Christmas time again. And, uh, and we always say that Jesus is the reason for the season. And yeah, you know, like Chris was talking about earlier, we might have a few things. We might have a few things a little bit off. Uh, we don't, truth is, we don't really know when Jesus was born. I've heard good arguments either way. Um, but that's all right. Uh, we know that the wise men actually came later. Uh, they weren't there uh, at the night of his birth. And yeah, we borrowed a customer too that probably uh, probably had pagan origins, though uh, none of the people who are participating, or very few of the people who are participating in those would recognize them as such. It's, uh, it's just part of what we do at, at Christmas time. And many of them, many of those things have been... Uh, Reinvigorated, if you will, with uh, with symbolism that we can equate to uh, the things that draw us or our attention to Jesus. So I am just thankful personally that we have this opportunity and that we can make use of it to draw attention to our Lord. Amen. Uh, we uh, should be here. The other thing that I learned over the last few years. Uh, because I used to be one of those people that, oh, we just need to do away with it. We don't need, that, you know, my own experiences and some of the bad experiences that I've had maybe played into that a little bit, I don't know. But I just, man, I was ready to be done with Christmas. Oh. And uh, I told anybody who listened exactly why. But the, the Lord really showed me, no, 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 this is an opportunity. Take advantage of it. Amen. And, and and make make the best of it. And Amen. Celebrate uh, celebrate what's good about it. Plus, the other thing I, I realized as I began to study some of this stuff was 
a lot of the things that we, the people who uh, don't want to celebrate Christmas for whatever the reason may be, a lot of the things that they draw on, and, and, they, and I want to rephrase that a little bit because it's a lot, they can be very faithful people who genuinely desire to serve the Lord and don't believe that this is something that, that glorifies the Lord. Uh, and they're very sincere. But a lot of the information that's being used, if you look back and source it, is from people who don't believe in God at all and want to come up with other reasons why people were doing what they were doing uh, that, that discounted Christianity as being valid. So why in the world would we use stuff that atheists wrote to try and disprove uh, when Jesus was born? That don't make any sense at all. Right. So, truth is, we don't know. Let's just roll with it and celebrate our Lord. Amen. 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 And because we have the most important thing right. That there is no such thing as Christmas without Christ. Amen. There is no requirement that we celebrate Christmas. It's not written down in the Bible anywhere. But it's worth celebrating. Yes, it is. Amen. So seize the moment. Tell everyone who will listen what it's really about. That little baby, that cute little baby we've got, uh, we've got in manger scenes everywhere. Mm-hmm. He represents the Almighty, the God of the universe, That's right. who came to die to save us all. Yeah. And we know and we believe. That, yeah. We should be ready with the facts. We should be ready to defend the hope. And we should be ready to share it. Amen. The birth itself is, is a wonderful thing. And just very, it's, it's hard to put into words when I think about it. The infinite begins. But usually when we talk about something being born, we're talking about something that's new, something that has, has just started. And in a sense, it's, tr- it's true here because the Word has become flesh and dwelt among us. He has become something in addition, I don't want to say other, but in addition to what He already was. He's now taken on human form. But in this case, what a paradox. Because the one who has no beginning and has no end has just been born. Amen. And the Almighty God, the Word who was with God and was God, has now come and dwelt among us. And every step in that process was prophesied beforehand. From the virgin birth in Isaiah 7.10 to the birthplace in Bethlehem in Matthew, or excuse me, in Micah, uh, chapter five, the even the flight to Egypt after Herod was uh, going to uh, going to kill the child. Matthew two fifteen is, is quoting Hosea eleven one, and that's sort of a mysterious thing there that, that I won't get into, but. It's all been prophesied. Uh, the slaughter of the innocents uh, that Herod did when he found out that 
uh, he had missed Jesus. Uh, how he killed all the children in the area. That was, that was prophesied by Jeremiah in 31.15. And that was not the end of the events that were prophesied. They go on uh, a very conservative number of New Testament fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy is 191 prophecies. And some people count as many as 456. Folks, the odds on that are, I forget, I, I should have written those down, but I didn't think about it. He is uh, the Almighty God. And we're talking about he, how he came to earth uh, as a man. Because he had, there, that's the only way that this was going to work. The only way that he could do what had to be done for us. Only he could do what needed to be done. It had to be done within the limitations of humanity. And our, our focus scripture, which I'm not really going to talk a lot about a lot uh, in and of itself, but uh, Matthew chapter 20, chapter 1, rather, verses 22 and 23 says, Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the, by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Jesus was fully human and yet fully God. We see that throughout the pages of the scripture. Of course, we, we celebrate this time of year how he was born and, and how he grew up. And Luke chapter 2 tells us that story, uh, that he was subject to his parents, uh, that he had physical needs. He was hungry in, in chapter Matthew chapter 4 when he was being tempted by the devil. Uh, he was thirsty at the well when uh, he met the Samaritan woman. He also tells us he was tired from the journey. Uh, in the boat, he needed rest. And we find him in the boat in the middle of the storm taking a nap. Uh, he must have been really tired to be able to sleep during that, during that storm. Uh, and of course, you know, we just talked about the, the other, uh, in, in John there. He had relationships. He had friends. Uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus are specifically mentioned in John chapter 11. He even had a best friend. And that comes out when you see John, how John writes about himself, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. He had special, he cared for his mother, even from the cross. He, he uh, assigned John to take care of her. We know that he felt pain. He felt emotional pain, just as just as we do. We find him weeping over Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19 as he's coming in. Uh, that would be just that would be at the triumphal entry, just before they were going to crucify him, just a few year, a few days later. Uh, we find him weeping at the grave of, of Lazarus in John chapter 11. We find him in agony, anticipating what was about to happen to him at the cross. 
And we know that he felt physical pain. We know that he was tempted. And uh, Matthew chapter 4 is one of the places that it talks about that. Hebrews chapter 4 also, you might, you've probably been encouraged over the years by people saying, look, Jesus knows what you're going through. We don't, this is, he was tempted too. And I think this is important, if not essential to what he did. He experienced, he went through everything that we went through. The only difference is he didn't sin. Which also should encourage you, friends, when you're tempted with something, that's not sin. It's sin if you give in to it. Now, I don't know how there's been a debate that's been raging in, in one of, in my Bible study group for years about, you know, what that really, you know, what that really means because it also says God can't be tempted by evil. So how does Jesus get tempted? Well, there are a lot of things that aren't necessarily evil that are still uh, wrong if you pursue them with the wrong motives. Now, it wouldn't have been wrong for Jesus to eat out there in that desert, but it would have been wrong for him to do it at the suggestion of Satan and, and, and to put uh, his needs over what God was doing. But Jesus did not sin. But what if he isn't God? Some people argue that he isn't. Well, if he isn't God, throw out the Old Testament because the Old Testament is the is the one that prophesied that he would come. And throw out the New Testament because the New Testament is based on the Old Testament. Without without the old, the new doesn't have anything to work to, to work from. Jesus, and if 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 Jesus isn't God, then he made false claims. He can't be the perfect sacrifice. He can't have, uh, be the one to pay for our sins because he can't be trusted. Our faith has no foundation. Jesus has to be who he said he was. He is Lord. He is. He was from the beginning. We've, I've already been quoting from, from John chapter 1. We've, uh, we start, we quoted that when we first started that, the journey through the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then, on, and then in chapter 1 verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He said he was God. He said in, in, in John chapter 8, verse 58, before Abraham was, I am, personal name of God. He said in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. The stuff we've been studying lately. So we know these things. We've been studying these things. What do we do with the objections? When, when people come and challenge us, the Bible, one of the things that they'll challenge is, is the Bible is our source. Well, what makes your book special? Everyone's got their own books. Uh, the Muslims have the Koran. The, the Hindus have several different volumes that they rely on. I've got them listed here, but I'm not going to try to pronounce them. Uh, the Buddhists don't really have a text that they consider uh, 
inspired in the same way that the others do. And the atheists, well, pick your text, whatever it is that they've got their ideas from. But what sets the Bible apart? What sets the Bible apart is its veracity, the veracity of the historical record. Everything that we dig up ends up complementing, ends up verifying what the Bible already told us. Every time we make a new discovery, it just makes the Bible's truth claims that much stronger. Uh, the depth of source, the fact that you have all of these authors over this period of, of a couple thousand years, and they all agree, and it, it all fits together, that lends itself to, to, to the, the veracity, the authenticity of, of the Word of God, the consistency. There are no true contradictions. You can, you can find some things that look like contradictions on the surface, but when you study and you understand the text and the context, they're not contradictions at all. But the other objection that some people have is, well, you're t it's just another myth. There's all kinds of half-man, half-God myths. Uh, this is just another one. Other religions uh, have 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 things like that, where uh, the, you know God has has come down and 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 made with a mortal and produced this this hybrid. And apparently, some Muslims are taught that's what we believe, but that's not what we believe. Jesus was born of a virgin. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the angel said, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And Luke, uh, Luke 135 is what that's from. We know that Mary remained a virgin, we're told, until Jesus is born. Therefore, uh, you can't say that some deity came down and, and, and did what was necessary with Mary and that's how we got Jesus. No, that's not what happened. That's not what Christianity teaches. Fully God, fully man. So the next challenge or another challenge will be, well, okay, Jesus was, was, Jesus existed. Few people are going to argue about Jesus' existence, but and most people would say that, oh, he's, he was probably, a, he was a good guy, he was a good teacher. But to quote C.S. Lewis' famous quote, for Jesus, because of the things he said, has to be either one of three things, either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. We also have the testimony of, of the martyrs. Now, there are others who have sacrificed their lives for what they believe, who didn't believe the truth. But they did believe that what they were, that what they died for was the truth. And we have people still to this day that are doing that. Uh, they're, they're waging, you know, it's what they call a holy war. And they blow themselves up and do things like that. Well, they're dying for what they believe, but the thing is they really believe it. The, the thing that makes this, makes, Christianity's the martyrs of Christianity different is that if they didn't believe it, they wouldn't have had to die for it. Who, who dies for something they don't believe in? If it's not true, 
you're not going to get get yourself killed over it. Now, okay, well, they really believed it. They didn't make it true, right? That's what people would say. Well, you could you could go that far now, perhaps. But but go back to the Roman times when all of this was first started, when the people who actually saw the events unfold and 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 were with Jesus at the time. If he didn't, if he wasn't everything that he said that he was, why would they die for it? Doesn't make any sense. The other thing that sets Christianity apart is the unique offer of grace. Every other religion requires that you do something to earn your place. But Christianity starts by telling you there's no way you can. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Justice is real and justice must be served, but the price is too high. You can't pay it. And yet it's got to be paid. And so we have grace offered through Jesus who offers us forgiveness and mercy. And the works that we do, they grow out of that salvation instead of the other way around. This is why the Advent, as we learned that term today, is worth celebrating. So let's follow his example. I'm going to be short today. I, I, I realize I've got all the time in the world, nothing going on but the Cowboys playing. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, we're about to, we're about to wrap it up here. Didn't have a lot to say today, but, uh, we should all follow his example. He showed us the way. He showed us the way in his life. He showed us the way in his death. And yes, he showed us the way in his resurrection. He, he is the way. So like the song says, go tell it on the mountain. Tell everybody you know the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus, whose birth we celebrate this month. So thank you, Lord. Thank you that you finished what you started on that night, uh, that we can be here today together, that we can be worshiping your name, uh, that we have the, the privilege and the honor to share your love with the world around us. Thank you, Lord. It, it is by your mighty name that we can pray. Amen.